Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of D20 Dudes. My name is Paul. And my name is Dylan. And this week, we're going to be talking about tabletop, getting started. Dylan, would you like to get us started? I will get us started on the topic of getting started. So, I think a fun little tidbit um, is that most people are going to get started in tabletop gaming in the same way. Is that they've got a friend who does it or a relative who does it. And it's not necessarily... I learned from watching you... <laughs> Sound like an old nineties drug ad. I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of like you know you, you'll have somebody close to you who plays tabletop, and you kind of just want to be involved in something that they enjoy, and that's how you dive in. But that's not necessarily how everyone's going to get started. That wasn't how I got started at all. Oh, it and, wasn't peer pressure. The cool kids were standing outside on the backyard of the school, smoking cigarettes and rolling dice. And you were like, hey, I want to be a barbarian. (laughs) No. No, I had to just order my drugs online and smoke by myself. Um, Silk Road. I, uh, I literally, like, the whole reason I even got into tabletop, first off, D&D is, like, ubiquitous. Like, if if you're going to get started, you're probably playing D&D, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. D&D is just kind of like, it's a gateway drug. That's where most people get started. And I remember seeing like all those like cartoons and movies and stuff as a kid. And they're like, oh, that kid plays D&D. He's a nerd. But then it just seemed like fun. It just seemed like a fun thing. I wouldn't care if it made me a nerd. Like, I don't want to use my imagination. I want to be Gargaroth the Barbarian and crush a cobalt skull with my bare hands. It sounds like an awesome time. That's right, Dylan. Fight society. Fight those societal <laughs> norms. D&Ders rise up. So I just kind of was like, hey, mom, can I order this D&D thing online? And she was like, as long as you don't worship the devil. And she was legitimately worried about that. (laughs) (laughs) The exact words. Uh, She was terrified. Like, I I remember that acutely because, like, I didn't know about the whole, like, D&D sacrifice thing in the 80s. Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Satan's game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, apparently that's a real thing. Like, there's a big scare because some people oh, killed yeah. the dude. Yeah, well, I mean, the satanic panic. I mean, that, that caught everybody and everything. But we are already drastically off course when we're talking about the satanic panic of the 80s. <laughs> so, let's reel it in here. Get back to your story. <laughs> so, I ordered this uh, little D&D 3.5 getting started kit, which was a lot of fun. I didn't have really any friends to play it with at the time other than our mutual bud Zach and I'm not going to get into that but it went exactly the way anything goes with Zach delightful uh, yes in um, that I could teleport to the beginning of the dungeon at any time and have sex with a magical rat to re- refill all my HP it was weird it was weird and fun any wazzle if you've got a friend or a group of friends who are into this already playing, you've already got such a one-up because having some people to teach you how to play is wildly easier than having to learn it all yourself. But it's not to say it can't be done. And that's the way I did it. I literally just sat down with the book and read it and learned to play D&D. And it really wasn't until a few years later that I was able to get started. But... It's it was still a very solid foothold. I was still you know already red rip raring to go, and part of that is you really it's got to be something you want to do. And it was something that I did want to do for a very long time, just wasn't really presented with the opportunity. D and D especially has kind of come a lot more into the public eye lately. Like you can go on to like Imager or Reddit or whatever, one of those big social networking sites with with the memes and such, and you can find like just loads and loads of like D&D stories and I like that I think that's cool that it's becoming more popular but you still got a few people out there who don't really know how to get started Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we'll kind of take this by step the first thing you're going to want to do no matter which system you're getting started in D&D is a good one to get started especially with fifth edition it's a lot simpler than it's been in a very long time it's pretty easy to learn you can 
you know, pick up like a, a player's handbook. And especially if you've got a friend who already knows how to play, you, you can start playing D&D in like an hour, really, as long as they're, you know, helping guide you through the character creation process. But ultimately, you can't play any tabletop without a group to play with. So it's kind of an important first step to take is to know, do I have people to play with? Is there a group who's willing to teach me what I want to learn? Is there a group that I can teach if I've already, you know, read an entire handbook like some people like to do? And there's a good chance if you've got, you know, some pretty close friends, they'll probably want to, you know, give it a try. You know, ask around, see who wants to, you know, spend some time with you because it is a very good bonding activity. It's a really good way to spend time with your friends, especially if you can start scheduling, um, you know, maybe weekly, bi-weekly. These kind of scheduled events are really good ways for you and your friends to get together and hang out and have a good time. And also kind of, you know, work at a consistent singular activity. Like, work on that coordination with you and your buds. Make yourselves a cohesive whole. But Dylan, what if I don't have any friends? Well, Billy, that's a great (laughs) question. Here's what you gotta do. Go to Roll20.com, that's HTTP, colon, forward slash, forward slash, www.roll20.com. It's an online content aggregator where people can put their own original campaign ideas and even own custom rule sets onto a website and have group internet meetings on a weekly basis according to a schedule and play games accordingly. Yeah, Roll20 is a very good resource, if, especially if you've got like long-distance friends. You know, the internet's a pretty big place in more ways than one. Maybe yeah. you got some friends online who are into this thing, but you know, you can't really drive 12 hours to Minnesota to learn how to play D&D. So Roll20 yeah. is a pretty good way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it also does have a little looking for group area. Yeah. Oh, maybe, fantastic. And if yeah. you just happen to have that really, uh, really specific interest, if, if your interests are just a little bit different than those around you, and you just can't seem to find any sort of accomplishment or peace within your local friend circle, maybe you just want to experiment, just wait until your wife is asleep, sneak onto the internet, and find someone that can fulfill all your wildest fantasies at Roll20.com. That's AshleyMadison.com. <laughs> so Roll20 is a good resource if you don't have any local friends. Um, looking for groups is a great thing. Once you've got, you know, your little group of friends, a good thing you're going to want to determine is what system do you actually want to play? D&D, like I said, is a good kind of starting point, but it also is kind of a very specific niche. Like, you can kind of flavor D&D to be whatever you want it to be, and that's really the cool thing about tabletop is your imagination is literally the limit. If you want to do it, you can. But... Gary Gygax had a very specific vision in mind whenever he crafted D&D, and it kind of shaped the entirety of the system itself. There's kind of a certain expectation going into D&D, and that's not a bad thing. What is the expectation, Dylan? The expectation of Dungeons & Dragons is, I mean, even in the name itself. I'm going to delve into this deep dungeon, fight monsters with my sword and my friends by my side. I will fight the mighty dragon and steal his hoard of treasure, saving the town and becoming a hero and a wealthy one in the process. If you Maybe can live. Yeah, if you live. <laughs> if you live. Gygaxian stuff is, is hardcore. Oh, yeah. um, old, old Gigi was, he didn't care about your character, he cared about the story. I'm gonna, and he was going to tell it. Yeah, I'm going to build off a uh, thing you said real quick. Um, how you mentioned uh, when you get started, it's it's fun to dive into that adventure. It is for new players beginning uh, or even maybe a little experienced, but from previous campaigns, they really only experienced one style of campaign. Um, it no, no campaign is a wrong way to start, but beware that you don't get over-invested maybe at first, or if you are going to over-invest or really like deep, deep dive Make sure you plan and read accordingly. Um, in previous episode, I mentioned the three major styles of campaigning, and all of them are great. Uh, the first one was slightly more story-rich, 
uh, for me, but my first campaign was very, very classic 3.5, extremely rule heavy. Um, we, we didn't slide on anything. People were not given HP counts. They were given like bloodied and different kinds of statuses like that. Um, every character had a very specific role and any character could die in a, in a matter of minutes. So it was very hardcore and it was a, it was a very like hard first exposure. Um, it was very baptism by fire, sink or swim. And I love it. And I've loved it ever since, but that was, it was a lot and it was a lot all at once. Uh, my character did not live, uh, didn't even make it two months. I don't think, but I learned tremendously in the process. So, you know, it, Hardcore meat grinder style campaigns are great for learning. Make a couple character sheets, test the waters, throw the rolls, and just sort of see what happens. Great way to kickstart. Just be careful. Um, the second and third ones, I think it gets a little more unclear. The second one I've talked about before, which is like the mix of dungeon delving in the story. Um, like you said, that was a little more Gygaxian. Although I think Gygax was, I'd say 60-40 story in action. 40 is the story. Um... But like on this one, um, this this one's really tough for the GM in particular, especially um, with the GM in this role. You have to be able to balance encounters on top of roleplay, give interesting NPCs, give interesting world environments. There's a lot to consider there. And I think we could probably go over uh, designing the world and designing NPCs and things like that um, lightly here. Maybe we'll save some for a future episode, but... I think I think that's something to be very important, like something important to consider. Um, and in the third one, where I talked about where it's like a very heavy role play, um, that's a test for everybody because this one really shines the light on. We we talked before about that first character, especially when you're a new player. Those characters are very tender to you because the process of character sheets, which we're going to talk touch on here in a minute, extremely in depth. Like you really get so much information all at once. And half the time, if you're like a spellcaster on your first character, you won't even remember that you have certain spells. Half the time. That can happen, and that will happen, and it has happened, and it will always happen. So, things can get really twisted and crazy. Um, so, it really pushes... It, it really pushes your attachment to that character, and your attachment to that role, and your willingness to roleplay and develop a story together. Um, it can be very difficult, very difficult, when you have a player who maybe they're nervous or unsure of what their character actually is. They kind of pick some things that were interesting to test the waters, you know, dip their feet in. And they're just really struggling to attach to that character in a way that carries into the tabletop experience where they're role-playing. And that can create dysfunction through the table because they rather than talking in character, might talk in meta. And once they achieve meta, then all the other characters recognize, obviously, there's a lot more value in meta. There's always more value in meta. Um, I don't think there's more fun in meta, but there's always more value. So once that mentality is achieved in a party, you 99.99% of the time will never get that party back. Um, so yeah, that's a risk to be careful of. So I think for the three campaign styles, whenever you really expose yourself to D&D, or Pathfinder, and you're kind of selecting where do we want to start, how do we want to go, like, what what's the best way to test these waters? Um, it always comes down to personal preference. My recommendation, truly my recommendation, is I would go for the first campaign. I would recommend making a couple character sheets. I would recommend a one-off or a two-off. Play it out throw the rolls out there, feel the mechanics, try out a couple characters in the process, right? Because then you can try a couple of combat mechanics, sort of see what you attach to. That That's the one I grew up on, and that's the one that really exposed me to what D&D could be, and also really exposed me to how harsh D&D could be. It's not the power fantasy kicking off that you hear about on green text stories. Those are fun, but sometimes you're missing a lot of the background stuff that might have been frustrating for players leading up to that story, or you might even hear a lot of frustrations in that story that could carry on for weeks in a campaign. And when you start playing D&D, those weeks feel very real. Like, that length of time adds up. 
So I, I recommend the first style for new players myself. Absolutely. But obviously you can do whichever one you feel comfortable with. I would just really hazard uh, if you're going to kick this off and this is your first exposure, definitely GM to friends or just players on Roll20 or the internet or whatever. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm new. Don't be afraid to do that. Let them know so that, yeah, let them know so that you can talk to them and they can talk to you and say, okay, great, that's exciting. Things to be aware of are, or this campaign functions like this. Or even if you're a new GM, I'm new to this. We're going to try this out. We'll throw some fun things in there. It ain't going to be perfect. Like set expectations. Yeah. And really front front and early set your, expectations. Your first sessions are always going to be learning experiences. Even if you've read the book front to back and you think you know everything you need to know, mistakes are always made. It's always good to have books handy or, you know, your online resources, whatever you're using to learn the system. I would not recommend GMing as your first session. Um, that's not to say don't do it, period. But it really is a lot easier to learn the mechanics whenever you've got somebody who kind of has already been there, um, can kind of shape the world around you to guide you a little bit. Uh, and it's important to find groups that will help you in this endeavor. I've got a friend at work who wanted to get into D&D when she was younger, I think in high school, and they just kind of... Like, you know, they let her in the group. They're like, yeah, well, let's play D&D with you. This will be so much fun. But they really made no effort to teach her how to play the game. They all just kind of stuck to their own little inside jokes that she didn't get. And they really didn't want to offer her any assistance in how to play the game. And it just kind of killed her desire to play the game entirely because this one group gave her a really bad taste in her mouth. And that's fair. Like, if they're going to treat somebody like that, then, of course, it's going to turn them off. But mm -hmm. all in all, you really should try to be a player your first few sessions feel it out feel what it is to you know learn these mechanics learning the mechanics is a big deal no matter what system you're playing D&D 5e is a good system to kind of start with it's not terribly complicated but it's not oversimplified either um it's got a lot of depth to it and there's now, tons of supplements for it, too. Like, if you really want to get invested in 5e, you can really go down that rabbit hole. There's so much to explore. Okay. So, I'm going to interject here. Um, let's say, similar to your situation, one person's kind of really carrying the torch, you know, spreading the infectious disease that is tabletop. Uh -huh. And they're shining that beacon, trying to draw people into them like moths to a flame. And so, while they're shining that torch, they're the ones that are reading the books. They're the ones that are carrying on that whole mentality. There is no other group. There is no people they can meet with. They're the ones kicking this off, okay? Yeah. So, GM or DM, maybe they can't get that group. Uh, besides YouTube videos, which are a magnificent resource, what would you say are things that you've learned that you would really recommend first timers be aware of or be considerate of as dms or gms like what are what are a couple of highlight points you feel are very important like things you know now that you wish you knew then things i know now that i wish i knew then well, as a gm specifically let me tell you i hadn't read the book all the way through the first time i gm'd um 3.5e um you know, I had read enough to know how to, you know, play the basics and build a character. If you're going to GM in most, in most systems in the core rule books, there's like a little segment that says this is for GMs or DMs. Always read that. It's very important. Solid advice in every single one of those. Solid, solid advice. Not just about how to run the game and how to build the world and all that stuff, but in just kind of how it, it is to be around these people, especially if you're a new GM with new players. It's a learning experience for literally everyone involved. Nothing is going to go smoothly. Nothing is going to go exactly as planned. You got to kind of be prepared for that as an eventuality. And you got to be willing to kind of learn to go with the flow. And especially if you feel like you've made a lot of mistakes, maybe learn to start over. Don't be afraid to let go of a character you've built but didn't build well. 
if you need to get rid of Grognath the Barbarian because you put all of his points into Constitution and didn't realize that you needed all that dex to actually be able to hit somebody, it's alright. It's, you know, a mistake that players will make, not necessarily knowing exactly how to stat out a character. And it's, as a GM, you really kind of got to take the pulse of the group. Make sure that everybody's enjoying themselves, kind of figure out what people aren't enjoying if they aren't enjoying themselves, and figure out how you can improve. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to people making their first characters. Like you said, people's first characters are very, very important to them. My first D&D character that I ever made, his name was Dr. Arm. I use him to this day. It's been almost two decades now. He was my bread and butter. Because I used to love playing mages, sorcerers specifically. I just love the idea of just spontaneity and creating magic and shaping the world to my whims. Um, and that's not necessarily who I am anymore as a player. And that's fine. Your players are going to change. Your players are going to make um, you know decisions about who they want their characters to be as they play the game. And it's cool, especially if a, if a new player creates a character and they seem like they're so into it and then a few sessions in they're not that's cool too because they're learning maybe you know i thought i was gonna love this character but i don't blow them up don't <laughs> yeah. be afraid to blow them up yeah. drop a rock that, on their head it definitely drop a rock on their head um definitely drop a rock on their head is it's always the and goal blow them up it's always the goal between the dm and the players at all times to have fun and if that character is not fun don't force them to stick it out let them have a new character. It's fine. It's always fine. This, yeah, yeah. Um, this goes back into earlier where I, I do recommend those one-offs or two-offs, just those little things right up front so you can experiment, try it a couple things, just sort of see how it goes. Um, character sheets are, you know, we mentioned a couple times in this episode that they're an incredibly complex process. Uh, we've talked about campaigns to recommend for beginners. I would like to talk about character sheets getting started because character sheets can be so overwhelming character sheets um, can be very intimidating yes like they they really and especially degree. and especially because this goes back to my introduction to 3.5 D, &D uh, weight nobody cares about weight i care about weight because i had to care about weight the first time and I played an older cleric my first time. It was it was literally like an old man cleric. It was my very first character. His name was Zedekazul Zorander. He was a total grip-off from a lesser-known TV show. But he made sense to me. He exposed me to a lot of good things. I really liked it. The old man cleric character, while being very rewarding, not exactly the strongest. Not exactly the hardiest of men. And him carrying around a rucksack with full plate armor wasn't really yeah. about to happen. Yeah, that's that's a big so, learning experience is figuring out not just what goes onto a character sheet, but kind of what your DM expects of you in that character sheet. Mm. There are a lot of um, tertiary rules that, you know, maybe your DM's a stickler for these kind of things, like carrying weight, but a lot of it's them... It's rare now, but yeah, it, it, is rare it now, used but to be it used to be the main method. A lot of DM's might just not care. Like, it'll just be, well, you've got a bag of holding. Just carry whatever you want. Um, and... Your first character will depend a lot on the system you're playing in. Like, again, D&D is a very solid stable in the tabletop world, but, you know, maybe D&D is not your, not your first tabletop, and that's fine, that's cool. Um, there's tons of systems out there. I wouldn't recommend Shadowrun as your first one. It's crazy complicated, but if you really like Shadowrun and its concepts, go ahead and play Shadowrun. Um, but you're going to need to look at races, classes, determine what the best outfit for you is. Um, when it comes to your first character sheet, it can be very difficult to discern the path of setting up the character because what you conceive in your head is never fully realized until it's on the paper. And the spells or combat methods you might imagine for them are not fully realized until you have to put them on paper, and then you realize, well, maybe Eldritch Blast is going to be 90% of what I use, and maybe that's not really what I had envisioned for this character. Damn Do I want to restructure to a sorcerer? Do I want to change over? What does a sorcerer do? I don't even know. I didn't even read the 14 pages about a sorcerer. And you again, know. tying so back into what I said a moment ago, like, 
if you're not enjoying a character, if you build your first character sheet and it's just not as fun as you thought it was going to be, it's cool if you want to let it go. It's cool if you want to build something entirely different. There are also, what I'm kind of saying too, is like a lot of characters don't make it past the sheet. Um, there are many times where you kind of weigh your options and you sort of restructure what you're thinking. So for first timers, um, when and it comes to your character sheet, I I really, I extremely recommend you talk to your DM, not just in helping create a character sheet, but this is where it's going to be very important. Um, and, and what's important here is the circumstances of your campaign. Are you all first timers? Are you brand new to D&D? Are you veterans of D&D minus this one player who's just being sort of brought in and really is so unsure and tepid about what happens next? Are you, um, are you unsure? Or tepid? Um, are you going to have a campaign that's very roleplay heavy um, and maybe a character that's more charisma focused could be something. Maybe this person's really likable and friendly and you just really find this person affable and you want to bring them into D&D, but they really wouldn't have any concept of combat anyway, so you sort of appeal to their personal strengths. I think it's important to talk to your DM, because there are campaigns where any character can thrive if the person's creative. And then there are campaigns where min-maxing is the rule of law. And I would not advise player, one of those for your first game. I would <laughs> not, not either, circumstances. but I can't... I can also say you don't always get to pick the circumstances of your first campaign. That is true. Sometimes you just have to put it out there, see what happens. Um, I think my second or third character that I ever made, because as much as I learned in my first one, you never stop learning when it comes to tabletop. Um, But in my second or third character, I had a character that really just did not function inside that campaign. Uh, But that character was going to make that campaign function for him, uh, heck or high water, and to the point where the DM was personally trying to assassinate me, and I was still sassing him because that was that character, and he was going to do it. And it was it was delightful. He was very popular among the crowd. It was fun. He wasn't a very functional character, but I had a good time. <clears throat> but I, I had wished that uh, I had known what I was getting into in advance of that uh, in advance of that campaign. So you know, you don't always get to pick your first campaign, and you still want to try it out. You still want to get that exposure. Talk to your DM, see what they have in mind, and here's something so that your dream can be realized uh, according to the state of the world that you're going to introduce them in. And here's kind of my advice on your first character, like something that I that will make things a lot easier on you, um, is do one of two things: either make the character yourself, try and envision what you are and what your traits are and how you would translate that into the paper, or Make the character something, some character that you are already very intimately knowledgeable about. Something that you already have a really solid basis in. That cosplay? Is that what you're telling them? Yes, cosplay? absolutely cosplay. Put on a mask and a wig and bring like um, a crappy sword you bought from like a Dollar General or like maybe a... Uh, like one of those bad replica katanas that you keep seeing in like your... Uh, like your Dollar Trees or your, uh, you know, pawn shops in the region. Just get one of those crappy katanas. Bring that with you. Threaten your friends. Um, I highly advise you do not bring a katana <laughs> to a first-time campaign. I also highly advise you do not threaten your friends. Um, if, if you <laughs> Don't threaten your friends, Dylan. <laughs> if you want to make a character, um, especially your first time, um, like kind of work, really well it, it's good to have kind of a, a solid knowledge base and no one's going to know more about you than you and if you really really love a character say you're just way into um harry potter you, you just really love the character of ron weasley and you kind of want to be the not the smartest wizard in class but kind of you know the best friend the guy everybody likes but he's kind of a bumbling idiot you can build that you can figure out how that works. You can figure out how that fits into the mechanics of whatever game you're playing. But while Ron Weasley is a wizard, wizards in Harry Potter are infamous for quick casting times and minimal use of resources unless they're doing industrial-style potions and things. So unless you're going to be using those kinds of elements, are you going to be more of a sorcerer or a wizard? I feel like hmm. that's beside the point. 
No, no, no. It is it it is a little bit involved here because when you've got that idea, this comes back to talking to that DM and saying, "This is what I envision for this character. This is how I see it. This is how it makes sense in my mind. How do we bring that vision to life?" And the DM could say, "Well, wizards, you would think work like this, but with spell slots and all of these." other critical factors, long casting times, things like this, maybe this, like a sorcerer or whatever it may be, is more towards kind of what you're what you're thinking and you can talk it out with them, yeah. help establish those ideas. Knowing the classes and the core mechanics is a big part of building a character. And having somebody who's already aware of those core mechanics is a big help. That's where, you know, having a friend who's already into it or maybe going on a roll 20 to find somebody who can teach you is going to be Really, your easiest bet. Or YouTube. Yeah, YouTube videos are really good. There's a funny little series I'm going to plug here. It's called A Crab Guide to D&D. And it just kind of gives you a very basic idea and a very silly way of what the classes do. Oh, Joe Cat. He's a good guy. He he a big funny. But to kind of move on from this, um, something you will also have to consider if you're going to get into tabletop is what kind of supplies will you need. Most games and most systems... Mountain Dew. Cheetos. Absolutely Mountain Dew. If you're if you're playing solely on an online game, say you're you're going into roll twenty, and you're kind of going into it with a learning expectation. Say you're you're going to be a player, and it's your first time playing. You don't necessarily need to run out and spend forty five fifty dollars on the player's handbook, especially if it's your very first time playing, and you don't necessarily know if you're going to one hundred percent like it. You don't want to drop that money. You don't want to make that investment unless you know it's going to be something that you want to spend the time on. So a lot of the time, there are resources online that have the information that's in the books available. Maybe not in such a concise way or in a way that's as pleasant to read, but it's there. You'll be able to have the mechanics at the ready. And usually if you've got very experienced players or DMs, they will know these websites. They'll be able to just send you a few links. You'll be able to go down that rabbit hole at your own leisure. If you're going to be playing with a group, a in-person physical, you're at a table and there's a map on the ground, you know you're going to need figures and all that stuff, having a couple copies of the handbook is a good idea. Maybe you don't necessarily need to go grab one yourself. Maybe the players already have two or three that they can share around, but it wouldn't be a terrible idea, especially after you've played a session or two, to make sure that you have one for yourself so that maybe you could go home and flip through it, find the things that you like. Yeah, And bear in mind, there's nothing that stops every player's mini on a, a map from just being one gets a penny, one plays a dime, one plays oh, a yeah. quarter. They all fit in the five-foot cube. You, you don't need to you know, go out and buy an expensive figure and paint it, especially if that's not your thing. Um if you want to say, like, hey, I made a gunslinger, and you want to have a little green army man be your token, as long as it's recognizable as your token, that's totally fine. Don't let anyone tell you that you have to have these figures, because that person's just being a jackass. Dylan Harsh. <laughs> I'm a harsh man. You're so harsh. You're so coarse. Um, you're like rough salt. You're like a sea salt on the <laughs> highest grinder setting. Oh my goodness, it's just scarring me. There's so much salt in your tears. Salt. Um, <laughs> but so, some some things that are going to kind of be standard for whatever system you're playing are A, dice, and B, a lot of pencils. Don't use pen. Never use pen. Pen is going to be anathema to your existence. No matter In what. Fact, I would say pencils are more important than dice. Absolutely. Because you can get dice apps on your phone for free. Yeah, dice apps are fun. Now, I have a. Um, a deep distrust of apps because well you can say Google spying on me knowing what I do in my free time when I go to a private browser get off of my phone Google (laughs) why can't I delete you my biggest problem with dice apps is that you know there's really no way to know that it's always going to be a truly random result and you can say that about physical die as well but uh, I just Mm -hmm. I don't like apps but that's a personal preference Uh, if getting an app is going to be simpler and easier for you go for it but i really prefer to have physical dice i really like the clicky clack on the table and it makes me happy i got a big old bag full of them and i'm just a little goblin who likes to hoard them like the gems and shinies that they are you know you say that you little dice goblin (laughs) but i am going to throw this out here at least the apps 
are legitimately random so far as I can tell. You know, RNG is is a thing. Um, I cannot say that about beautiful, shiny, custom die that just so happened to be a little weighted, and then you end up like our good friend Bartleby, who uh, rolls a one on literally every, like, 13 out of every 20 rolls. (laughs) And you're just like, maybe... Those die are not good. Poor Gorbosh <laughs> maybe, getting every disease in the known galaxy. <laughs> maybe they were just a little bit poor in production of those dice, and you yeah. need to try something else. <laughs> um, and there are, there are, for a while, there weren't many companies that made dice. It was basically just ChessX for a while, unless you wanted to get something secure. Or, <sighs> wow, my brain just imploded. Unless you want to find some small company, some startup or like on whatever. Basically ChessX was your your go-to. That's who that's who had the dice. Who had them? Had who you had to get them from. But there's been a few more companies getting pretty big lately that are kind of making higher quality product, things that are weighted better. ChessX has a bit of a known issue um with especially their opaque dice where they're not solid plastic all the way through. They actually have a less dense core of a different material that makes the dice cheaper to produce. And you can't see it because, of course, the dice plastic is opaque, but there's every chance that it settled improperly when it, in the plastic as it was cooling and created a weight to one side. And thus that dice has a bias. There are ways to check for it, but not quite as important in this particular discussion. And uh, no, I've checked it. Most often, it does not wait in your favor. <laughs> I've looked into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So knowing your system is really going to be a big deciding factor on knowing what supplies you need. Um, If you're going to start with D&D, you know, you got what is pretty commonly the standard dice set now. You got your D6, your D4, two D10s, a D20, a D12, a D8, that stuff. But if you're playing a game like uh, Ten Rabancho or Wrath and Glory... Only D6s. Only the six-sided die. and White wolf system. You can just get these big bricks of D6s if that's what you need. And maybe... But you'll need those. Inevitably, a dragon always shows up in first campaigns. And maybe you've got, like, a an old Monopoly board game or something nearby. Like, you, you don't have to use specific, you know, D&D dice. As long as you've got something that serves the purpose, it's fine. Um, having miniatures can be helpful uh, on, like, a playmat to kind of note where you are within the world, to kind of give you a visualization. But they can be somewhat expensive, um, especially whenever you're looking into like dry erase mats and things like that. And then you see these people with big fancy setups where they've got LCD screens that they load maps on computers. and You don't need all that, really. If you really get down to it, Gary Gygax didn't even use maps. He literally would just describe the situation to his players. There's a goblin 20 feet in front of you. Well, the wizard knows that his fireball spell has a range of 30 feet, so this goblin's within his range. And you can do it entirely pen and paper that way. Just using your imagination and nothing but. Um, but Mountain Dew and Cheetos. Yeah. Um, snacks are a big deal. Like Gamer fuel. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be playing games that are running very long sessions. You know, we and our friends would play games for six, seven hours at a stretch. And you don't want to come into that without a snack or some drinks or something. Kind of keep you going. That's a long time to do anything without any food or drink. Especially if you didn't find time to eat beforehand. So kind of take into account how long you think you're going to be there. Maybe bring some snacks. Especially if there's a large group of people. It kind of It's kind of etiquette at this point. If you're going to someone's house to play D&D with them, to bring snacks because they're hosting you and they're giving up their time. They're letting you into their space to do this thing for a large group of people. It's just kind of polite to make sure that you're all going to be comfortable and having a good time. Maybe bring some snacks. Um, Again, not 100% necessary. Something you can talk to your group about, definitely. Um, I know a few times we, I actually cooked dinner for our group. Oh wow! It was fun. I made. What did you What did you cook, Dylan? I made a nice beef stew, and I did it because it was in character. Um, Was it Dinty Moore? It was not Dinty Moore. It was actually homemade. What? Yeah, I made a homemade beef stew. It was after Claudia Masters left that campaign. 
So you, oh, tragic, yeah. tragic. It's really good too. But I had this character who came in to kind of fill the void. He was uh, what was his name? Strixian, the human fighter who had been raised by elves, and mm-hmm. he he made a beef stew for the party after he rescued them from a demon invasion. And so I made a beef stew for the group. Hey, all right. Um, so I, I want to kind of recap a, a couple points here because it's been it's been a lot of loose conversation, but. For our listeners at home, or work, or wherever you are, uh, to all three of you, we love you, baby. <laughs> uh, so here, here's what I want to say. In in recap, when starting out, uh, choosing the system or knowing what system you are going to join into, uh, however you find your way into it, is very important. Materials for that system can include uh, downloadable packets off Reddit can include videos on YouTube. A quick Google search will give you many, many, many websites that will give you at least good overviews of what a system can run like and little details, like because the devil's always in the details of tabletop, uh, little details about that system. So research is important. Uh, number two, when it comes to that character that you have in your head, uh, don't be afraid to go off the wall crazy. Just try out new ideas. And if you're unsure... Don't be afraid to just cosplay a character and pull something that you know you like. But whenever you're trying to establish whatever you end up envisioning in your head, talk to your DM. Converse with them. See how you can make that dream a reality. You know, Don't let your dreams become memes, guys. You can put them on paper. They'll work. Uh, but talk to your DM. Because according to whatever system you're playing... Maybe one class will function better than the other, even though technically you feel like they should be this class. But if you want that vision to come to life, if you want to play the character you truly feel in your heart is right, talk to your DM. See how they can help you set it up. Uh, Communication is always key. Communication is always key. Communication is critical. Uh, When it comes to first-time DMs and GMs, it, it same obviously goes for research, obviously, especially for DM and GM. Um, but also talking to the players, kind of getting character ideas together, campaign concepts together, have them spitball ideas of what they may or may not want to see out there. Do they want to spend more time in combat? Do they want to spend more time talking? Because if you have a campaign and you feel you realize all your players are just kind of like speeding through conversations, avoiding NPCs, or just talking in meta, clearly they're not that invested in the role play. So shifting over to a more combat-focused campaign can be very rewarding. Just sort of pay attention to them, see what it is they want, what they're trying to get across to you. Um, it's always okay to talk five or ten minutes before a session starts, recap everybody, set expectations for the day, uh, and, and just sort of get the thing rolling. Um, we talked before about fudging rolls. That's going to be something that you will either never do or do often. I think in a first campaign. Um, yeah, that's but. that's a big one. Like if you're unclear on a rule, here's my advice there, uh, especially for your first few times playing a game. And this is solid advice for any system. If you're unclear on a rule, but um, it's going to slow the game down. And especially if the result has already been decided, but you find out that you did the rule wrong, let it sit as it is and just move on. But take note of the rule and do it more correctly in the future. You, Kind of yeah. let the game progress. Don't don't rules lawyer everything. Let the game keep moving. Yeah, never hold the game hostage. That's one thing I'll always say. Never hold the game hostage. That's a way that, to get hated. Well, it's a way to just alienate everyone else at the table. It, it really it, it does not work when you alienate people like that uh, by holding the game hostage because you have to check your book every ten seconds. Or you want to make sure this works, you know, you know. Yeah, let the game um, flow. So, so do the legwork in advance. If you're going to go for a more complex character at first, which is obviously not something that I would recommend to a lot of people, but if you want to, you can put the legwork in before the game starts so that you don't oh, yeah. hold that game oh, hostage yeah. because um, that kills a lot of momentum. Huge advice for spellcasters, especially first-time spellcasters, read your spell book. Don't. Every turn say, hey, I want to cast this spell. Let me flip through and see what it does. For God's sakes, know your spells. It is the biggest pet peeve for DMs. Have a side piece of paper. Write out yeah, your spells, no write cards. out your slots, and write down every little bit about that rule. And actually, it's funny you say note cards, because there are 
actually things you can buy now for very for like 15, 20 bucks. And for 15, 20 bucks, they'll send you a packet of cards with each spell and its function and a handy little graphic. It's really cute so that you always have it handy. You don't have to worry when you want to say this is going to happen and this is how it's going to happen and this is why. It's all laid out there straight from the rulebook into these handy little cards that you can either purchase or make yourself. Just just get something together. Um, tabletop gaming really takes me back to 1997 in a PS1 game where you have to have that little side pocketbook and a pencil and you're <laughs> writing down notes and you're writing down passwords and you're writing down cheat codes so that you always have it handy and you keep that sheet in your top drawer behind your socks and you always know where that sheet is just for the time you're going to load up this game. So it's so important to always have that little cheat sheet there. It it just, you cannot imagine the convenience that's going to give you um, with your character sheet. Definitely talk to your DM. We talked about establishing a character, but definitely talk to your DM about the character sheet as you go, because it's easy to get confused about what certain things on a character sheet can mean. What's the difference between saves and how they affect your armor rating? Why are they separate? Why does a save work for this character like this, but not for me like this? Uh, just just talk to them. have Go through that with them. It's great. And especially, you know, I, I know I've mentioned before, a lot of campaigns, they don't care about weight or the little details, but some do. Some really do. And to be fair, actually, in a later episode, I want to cover why I think it would be great to try that out and shift back in that direction. I, I think there really is something so genuinely wonderful in the value of the difficulty that those things can contribute. Not for a first campaign, but if you are going to do it, it, it's very important to talk to your team about like, well, what does this mean? Why does this matter? Uh, where, how do I measure out the weight of my items? Where do yeah. I put this and this and this? Figuring out Why how you're going to get the dragon's entire hoard of gold out of the volcano and back to town. Like, important detail. Well, that, and also, why is my armor written in this section of the paper, but why is my armor not listed in this equipment section of the paper? Why is my Dungeoneering pack in this section of the paper, but my other item in this section? You know what I mean? Yes. So, it, it's it's very dispersed and broken up over a lot of character sheets, uh, depending on what system you're playing. So, very important to talk to your DM about that. Um, and then, finally, because we keep saying communication is critical, I really think in D&D, period, communication is critical. Uh, we don't need to make an episode about it because we can say it in every episode. Communication is critical. Absolutely critical. And absolutely critical. It's essential. And when you're communicating with your DM, uh, or as if you are a DM, communicating their intentions, with your players. Okay. Yes. Uh, whatever of the two-way road you're going down, um, communicating with each other is so important to set expectations from the player's perspective, what your hopes are for this campaign, what you want you to be doing, what invests you. And from the DM's perspective, here's how it's going to happen. Here's how this is going to roll. Uh, you don't have to engineer yourself to this, but expect this. This is going to sort of be where I'm moving the direction of the thing based on what you've told me or based on what I want to do. Um, that, that's probably the last talking point I really want to hit on for the day is in the first campaign, in the very first campaign, what's more important, the story the DM has set up and how the characters can live inside that story or the story that the characters write and how the DM can encourage or enable that. For a first time. Yeah. And that'll definitely be a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes you know in your head and you know in your heart what you want your first character to be, and you can get there with it. But sometimes you really just need to go with the flow. You need to you know, let the DM take you on a journey so that you can learn what's going on. Um, so feel it out. But Meat grinder. Do the meat grinder. You're going to hate yeah. me for it, but you're going to love me for it. Do the meat grinder. It's Make three character sheets. Random roll every stat just so you can see how crazy character combinations get. Try out totally new systems you'd never even think to do because you grew up too much on Lord of the Rings and your, your brain is locked into a set path. Don't do it. Random roll everything. Random roll the whole thing, all three character sheets. <laughs> well, that's another Let them episode. throw you into a dungeon with horrific traps that you can't get out of and get 
crushed to a pulp. It's awesome. And you're going to learn really fast. Yeah, you'll you'll learn quick. But uh, that's about all the time we've got for this week. Um, I feel like I kind of want to put this out there. I know it's probably a terrible idea. But if you are interested in learning D&D or Pathfinder, um, and you really just can't find somebody to teach you these basics, D20Dudes has a Twitter. Ask us all your questions. I'm a pretty experienced DM. Paul's a pretty experienced player. We know all kinds of things, and maybe somewhere down the line, we take on a few new players and teach them how to play. I feel like that can and be remember, a And remember, don't thing. hate the players. Hate the game. Absolutely. Anyway, it's <laughs> that time of the week. We gotta roll the die. Roll the die! Roll the die! Cast our fate into the grand carnage of the fire. Oh my beast. god, Paul. It's my birthday. 420? Uh, Paul, I rolled an 18. 10 Rabancho Zero, the underdog RPG. <laughs> I have been wanting to talk about... I want to preach this system to the world. I love it's- Tenra. It's going to be an ultra exciting episode, actually, because uh, to the joy of not only uh, I will hope our viewers with that episode, but for us personally, uh, we just kicked off Ten Rabancho, and it has been already such a such an eclectic experience. It's been absolutely delightful. So really excited to see so to see exciting. what we have to contribute to this next week. I've got um, so much to tell. Now they haven't they haven't introduced cat girls. I'm hoping that's coming in a, a current expansion, but we'll we'll get there. Oh yeah. Definitely we'll look forward there. to next, next week. week. Look forward to it. It's going to be the weebest of weebs like oh. I, I I am going to go so otaku. It's going to make your head spin. I, I'm going to be, be preaching this like the word of God. It's going to be probably my favorite episode. But thank you all for listening. Um D20Dudes has a Twitter, at D20Dudes. Find us, ask us your questions, send us your comments, and be our best buds. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!